Hey there. If you like this podcast, you are going to love my new book, Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Reclaim Your Sovereignty. In Needy, I share my unique approach to identifying, honoring, and advocating for the most tender and true parts of yourself that are yearning to be acknowledged. It is an invitation to embody self-acceptance, which leads to meaningful growth in self-responsibility, self-care, self-trust, and self-love. All of the themes that we talk about all of the time on this podcast. Woven with threads of timeless wisdom, honest assessments of our needs, and heartfelt personal stories of transformation from yours truly and others, Needy illustrates a profound vision for what is possible when you listen to the stirrings of your heart and reclaim your undisputed sovereignty in your life. Now, you can get Needy wherever books are sold, but if you are a podcast super fan, you might appreciate the audiobook, which I do narrate, which you can find on Audible. Now on to today's show. Hey there, it's your host, Mara Glatzel, and you are listening to The Needy Podcast. Here at Needy, we are devoted to sharing frank conversations and true stories about what it means to meet your needs consistently, messily, and sustainably. To get more information about today's episode, please visit theneedypodcast.com. Now, on to today's show. Hey there, welcome. Today I want to talk about managing your expectations of yourself. I've been thinking over the course of the last couple of weeks uh, about how managing my expectations of myself has become my number one act of self-care. And the reason for that is because managing what's going on in my mind, managing how much I expect that I can accomplish, what my um, creations are going to look like, uh, being on my own side, committing to being in my own body, that is to say, bringing my whole body with me when I make my commitments and follow through, has completely changed how I experience doing everything. And so, it's interesting because when we think about making our commitments, when we think about, you know, how we choose to use our precious resources and our precious resources are our time, our money, our energy, our attention, our cash. Uh, when we think about that, usually we think about what we want to do, what we should do, um, what we expect ourselves to do in this like arbitrary grand social conditioning sense. And we are taught to divorce that that yearning, that desire, that fire for production and creation from the the truth of our bodies, the truth of our you know physical humanity, and tuck ourselves away until we get to the other side of it, whatever it is. And this approach is not only unsustainable, but 
I, I would posit that we do harm to ourselves by choosing this approach. And it's, it's, it's so prevalent that, um, yeah, that it feels like a real paradigm shift to even consider doing anything else. You know, we, we talk about staying up late and getting it done and putting ourselves on the line for the work, whatever the work is that we are doing in our lives. And to think about bringing our whole selves, our um, physical, emotional, mental, energetic, spiritual bodies with us, the conversation becomes infinitely more nuanced and complex. So let's first think about what it is that we choose to do. And I think it's really important to put only pour your precious resources into things that actually matter to you, which seems like a simple thing to do. But how many of us are doing what we believe is expected of us or doing what we think will make us look like a good person or make other people think that we're doing the right thing or approve of us? Um, You know, how many of us are taking action because we're hoping that there's like a glorious nugget of external approval on the other side? I, you know, I could raise my hand for every one of those points. And I'm sure many of you who are listening in could as well. So when I talk about really being thoughtful about what you actually want to do, it requires being in conversation with yourself and being curious, getting creative and really questioning the things that you want. Why do I want that? Do I still want that? Uh, you know, why is this important to me? Is it genuinely important to me or is it important to me because it is, you know, somehow helping me manage other people's perceptions of me or somehow helping me outsource my, my inside job of, of being enough of, of making myself feel like I'm enough. So why do you want what you want? And it can take a while to be in relationship with yourself around what you want and to have these conversations and to get to know yourself because at the, at the onset, you might not know, you know, it may not come to you readily when you say, do I really want to do this? Like, well, yeah, it feels true. feels right. And when you look back on that choice, you may think, wow, I, you know, was really doing that because I thought that I should, or I thought I was supposed to, or I thought somebody else wanted me to, not because it came from me genuinely. So I'm not asking you to get this perfect. I'm just asking you to be in conversation with yourself around what you want. So I recently finished the first draft of um, a book that I hope to, to get into your hands at some point in the next year. And I have been working quote unquote, working on that book for a long time, (laughs) a very long time. And I was super clear on the fact that I wanted it. And I want it because it is part of my purpose on this planet to write words that help people understand an aspect of themselves that they did not understand before. And I have been doing that in many, many, many small ways over the course of my life, but it is a real growth edge for me, a visibility edge for me to string all of those little words together into one powerful 300 some odd page book for you to hold. 
So I knew I wanted it. And I knew that it was, you know, it's like the door had my name on it. But the timing wasn't right. So, okay. So do you really want it? The answer was yes. I do really want it. Now, whenever I commit myself to something in my mind, I always ask myself if there is a way that I can approach that thing or make that thing happen in a way that is sustainable and kind. So before I even dive into a project, I'm already thinking about how I can support myself in having a quote unquote successful outcome. And it's important that that idea of success again is, is self-defined. What would that, what would be successful for me? So in this project, um, the first thing that I decided to do to make it sustainable and kind was that I decided not to beat myself up for how long it took. And it took years. I mean, I would tell people I was writing it and people would be excited and then I wouldn't be writing it for a very long time. Then I'd be writing it again. People would be excited that I wasn't writing it again. But the reality of my life was that in that time from when I began writing the book until now, I had two children. I um, moved into a house that we had to completely renovate and remodel while we were living in it. I shattered my ankle and had to, you know, over the span of seven, eight months, learn how to walk again. And so I was busy, right? We're not just one thing. We're all the things. So we might want something, but we're not. That doesn't mean it owns us. That doesn't mean that we're doing a bad job if we're not wholly committed to that thing. We are not wholly committed to any one thing, likely. You know, we have children. We have bills to pay. We have pets. We have families. We have, you know, people in our lives. We have other jobs, right? Um, You know, it's complicated. So you can be kind to yourself by managing your expectation of both what success looks like and also the pace that that thing is, you're going to make that thing happen. So what would it be like to um, not attach your worth to a particular um, externally imposed metric of success or an externally imposed timeline. And, you know, we love timelines because they give us a sense of certainty and security in a realm where there is no certainty and no security. Um, and it's, you know, it's okay. In that time, I made so many deadlines for myself. I made so many timelines and then that, that would come and I was like, well, I didn't do it. So, I mean, I could spend my energy beating myself up that I didn't do it, or I could just pour my energy back into that project. If that project is still important to me. So you can stay on your own side through the process of getting from here to there And think about it. Like, is there a way that I could make this, I could do this thing in a way that's sustainable and kind? Well, for me, for this particular project, the reason that it hadn't gotten done before was because I always tried to write in solitude. And in that loneliness, my self-doubt became so loud that I couldn't work. And this is especially important at the beginning of the process because it felt like the whole book is in front of me. Once I kind of got going, it became a little bit easier. 
But what I did differently this time around was I asked myself, what do I need to make this happen? And what I needed was an accountability partner in the form of my youngest sister, Nola. And Nola would sit with me while I would write. First of all, I had to ask my partner to make the time for me to do this work. Um, It would be easier to write a book at night after the kids went to sleep. Um, But for me, especially, you know, barely a year postpartum, I'm exhausted. By seven o'clock, I'm so exhausted. And I know that I need to write in the morning. So I know I need to write in the morning. I have to, during a pandemic, have to ask my partner, you know, if two mornings a week, she will take the kids so I can go and write. I have to ask my sister if she'll basically hold my hand while I'm writing. And these are the things that I needed. And it required asking for help. It required acknowledging the fact that I was not able to do it alone. And it required um, being uncomfortable, you know, really claiming what I wanted out loud and being uncomfortable for that thing. Uh, Knowing that, you know, my partner didn't always want to give me seven, eight hours a week to, to work on this, this project, especially when it's like, she doesn't know how long it's going to take. We're in a pandemic. My children are being very challenging and, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot on top of both of our businesses and everything else going on to give me that time. So I had to ask for that. And I felt uncomfortable asking for that every time. Um, but I share that with you to just give you one example, right? That's, that's just me. But to give you one example of how we can support our commitments by asking ourselves what we need in order to make good on them. Generally speaking, to make good on any commitment, you need energy, right? So you need rest, you need nourishment, you need water, um, you need the, the mental acuity of being well hydrated, you need space and time to, you know, commit to doing the thing, following through. There are things that we need. And how often do we judge ourselves for not making good on our promises while we haven't supported ourselves in making good on our promises? We just expect that thing to come out of nothing. And we're, we're committed to the bright, shiny idea of it, but we're not committed actually to the follow through. So ask yourself, what do I really want? How can I approach it or make that thing happen in a way that is sustainable and kind? What will success look like for me personally? And um, being with yourself in the process because your answer to any and all of those questions may change. So this isn't about doing this work one time and putting it on a shelf, but instead staying with yourself in the process of really being creative. Like, oh, I thought that was going to work, but actually it doesn't. And, you you know, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to try this instead. And then, you know, managing your expectation of what it's all going to look like. Because guaranteed, if it is a desire or an aim worth having, um, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of blood, sweat, and tears involved with with making good on that promise. I think that part of it is that we want to look good while we're doing it, and we want it to be a certain way or look a certain way, or we're really precious about the process. And you can't be really precious about the process. The process is going to be what it's going to be. And part of managing your expectations as an act of love towards yourself is not judging yourself for what that process looks like. I will tell you right now that I sometimes loved, but mostly hated writing that book. Um, There were more days than not that I was filled to the brim with self-doubt and that when I sat down to write, it was excruciating and painful because the narrative that I was telling myself in my head was almost insurmountable. And that's what it was. That's all right. We're also going to manage our expectation of the end product. You are a human and not a robot. So, you know, when I committed myself to the first draft of this book, I was also committing myself to writing a truly shitty first draft. Now, does that mean that the whole thing is shitty? No, but I gave myself permission to let it be what it was, which is the first draft of something. I'm going to have a second draft. I'm going to have a third draft, probably have a fourth and fifth draft. So, you know, each of those drafts are going to be an improvement upon the first. And it's not your job to do something perfectly. It's your job to do something as well as you can. And that means grounding your expectations in your humanity instead of comparing yourself and holding yourself accountable to an invisible and imaginary ideal version of yourself that lives in your head. Because that ideal version of yourself is quite literally a figment of your imagination, a figment of your social conditioning, and has nothing to do with who you actually are. So when your expectations are based on what would be possible for her, in my case, or, you know, that that idealized version of, of yourself, for me, she's a her. Um, when, my, when my expectations are rooted in what's possible for her, they're never going to be reachable for me. Because in comparison to her, I'm designed to fail, Right? She is designed to keep me always reaching, comparing, feeling shitty about myself so that I don't stop moving, so that I don't stop striving, so that I, you know, don't stop for a minute and just melt into the loveliness of my inherent self-worth and enoughness. Uh, And so when you're thinking about your expectations, I want you to really examine who is this expectation for? Is it for me? Or is it for that idealized version of myself? Because if it is for that idealized version of yourself, you're never going to meet that. And that doesn't mean anything about you or your worth or the validity of your work. And it has everything to do with the fact that that idealized version of yourself is a figment of your imagination and your social conditioning. So as you're doing this process of honoring what you actually want, creatively finding an approach that works for you in particular and is sustainable and kind for you in particular, this is really a reclamation. 
This is the choice to welcome your humanity into the process as your teacher and your ally and not relegate it to the corners of your life because you perceive it as a burden or an enemy of your progress. You are a human. You will never not be a human. You are needy. You will never not be needy. And so having an approach that is sustainable and kind must include your humanity, your needs. And does that mean you're going to get there more slowly? Yeah, probably. Uh, Does that mean that it's going to feel better between here and there? Yeah, definitely. And that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm looking for. Um, It's really important that when we are making these commitments, we're monitoring our self-talk around them, that we're really uh, not interrogating. Interrogating seems so abrasive, but being in conversation with our expectations of ourselves so that we are always getting curious, like, hey, is this is this reasonable for me? Is this truly possible for me? What does it feel like to make this commitment? What does it feel like to make my commitment, but let myself off the hook for my predetermined timeline. Right. So, um, and this, again, this is so individual. When I was working on this draft, uh, I, I wanted to give myself an end point. Like I wanted to give myself a deadline for the first draft because it felt good and right to me to do so. And so I was really thoughtful about a plan that was within my zone of comfort, um, but also a little bit edgy for me. So, you know, I committed to working on X number of words a week and um, getting to the, the completion of the first draft by the summer solstice, which has just passed. Uh, so you know, that, um, that plan was rooted in what is, what was actually possible for me with like a little bit of edginess, right? A little bit of, um, pushing myself, but not to a place that was uncomfortable, right? Not to a place that overwhelmed me, uh, to a place of inaction, but something that kind of jazzed me up and made me feel excited about the project. And I have to tell you that I was perfectly willing to give up that that deadline too if I didn't make it there because things happen. You know, you think that you're going to be able to work on a project. I thought I was going to be able to record this podcast episode last week, but I had to have an emergency root canal and um, it hurt too much for the rest of the week to really be able to talk and open my mouth and communicate with all of you. So, you know, things happen, life happens. So we have to be fluid and flexible and we have to make the considerable choice to not make, um, our inability to meet our previously conceived of expectations mean anything about us, right? Uh, there are all sorts of forces in your life. You know, I have kids, I have a partner, I have a house, um, I have a business, I have clients, I have a family, I have so many different things in my life that are all kind of like buzzing around and happening too, that 
It helps me when I'm managing my expectations of myself to assume that everything's going to be harder than I thought and take longer than I thought. And when I bake that into my expectations for myself and for my projects, then it doesn't sting so much or doesn't overwhelm me when it happens because I I anticipated that it would happen because I'm in my life and I know that there's a lot going on here and kids get sick and they're teething and they don't sleep and you know, the water heater blows and you have to get a root canal. It's like things happen. So we can be flexible with our expectations and we can allow for our lives to happen so that when we make those commitments, not only are we choosing to pour our energy or pour our precious resources into things that really matter to us. And not only are we thinking about ways to approach that commitment in a way that's sustainable and kind and managing our expectations of ourselves, but we're also allowing ourselves to be the humans that we are and shaming ourselves for being, you know, moving more slowly or being more flawed than we think that we should be. Because again, that ideal version of yourself that lives in your head is not helpful to you. It's a figment of your imagination. It's a figment of your social conditioning. That idealized version of you that lives in your mind has nothing to do with you whatsoever. And, you know, we really only pull that part of ourselves out to shame ourselves into action. But when you're making choices Um, for commitments that matter to you. And you're really being thoughtful as to how to proceed on that in a way that really feels good. Um, And you start following through and you start noticing, wow, okay, you know, I can do this. I can do things my own way. I can meet my own model um, or measure of success. I can hold myself accountable without beating myself up. And the more practice that you have doing it, the easier that it will be and the more naturally it will come. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Needy Podcast with Mara Glatzel. If you'd like my support in learning how to nourish your needs, dance on over to theneedypodcast.com to sign yourself up for Revive, a gorgeously free five-day course chock full of real self-care and daily tending. If you love today's episode, pretty please leave us a review on iTunes and join us next week. And as always, permission loves company. So if there's a human in your life that you think can benefit from this conversation, I would be so grateful if you shared it with them. Thank you.